0: I want to welcome you back to the way ministry where we're going to finish part one of the chapter one of the book of revelation. You know, we're doing this Bible study that will enlighten you on what's going to happen in the future. You know, we left off at the beatitudes. There are seven beatitudes that Jesus gave John the revelator in chapter one. Number one, it reads, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. We'll find that in Revelation chapter one, verse three, the second beatitude, it reads, right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. The third beatitude, it reads, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments. We'll find that in Revelation. Chapter 16, verse 15. Number four, the fourth beatitude. Right. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 19, verse nine. The fifth beatitude. And it reads, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, and the sixth beatitude, and it reads, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the word of the prophecy of this book. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, and the seventh beatitude, and it reads, Blessed are those who wash their robes. And we'll find that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. You know, the book of Revelation speaks of time. It says the time is near in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. You know, there are no dates set in the Revelation. No matter what anyone tries to read into the text of this prophecy, There are no specific time indicators of when it will be fulfilled. The only indication of time is the phrase. The time is near. This may be translated to near or soon. Taken with the phrase must shortly take place in verse 1. The reader is left expecting the imminent return of Christ. You know, as we look at John the Revelator, the the preference in chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 is followed by the introduction to the book. This takes place, this takes the form of a epistolary greeting, which is typical of apostolic letters. You know, following the pattern of triplets, John is identified three times. So we see that Revelation, the book of Revelation, identifies the writer, John, three times. And we see that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 4, and verse 9. You know, this fits the pattern of the book and is understandably in the light of his exile to Patmos. You know, John had no way of knowing whether he would ever see them again. So he made certain they knew the book was from him. So John had no way of knowing if he would ever see these letters, his writings again. So he made sure that when he penned this, this revelation that folks would understand that it was him that wrote the book of Revelation. You know, the fact that the introduction is written to the seven churches of Asia Minor indicates that the entire book, not just the seven letters, was intended for all the churches to read. While there were other churches in the area, like Ecclesi and Magnesium, these seven seemed to be representative of the church as a whole. You know, John's greeting is grace and peace. These words are always stated in this order. There could be no real peace apart from God's grace. So what the word is telling us that, me and you can truly never experience God's peace, his real peace, without being in his grace, and his grace being bestowed upon me and you. Amen and amen. You know, as we look into the book of Revelation, we, we, we see the reference to these seven spirits. We see that found in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, and and it's only found only here in the Revelation. You know, so many people are divided as to whether it refers to seven angels, as in Revelation chapter 8, verse 2, or the sevenfold aspects of the Holy Spirit, which Isaiah speaks of in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2. The most persuasive position views the seven spirits as originating in Zechariah chapter 4 verses 1 through 10 which speaks of the seven lampstands so that we'll see in Revelation 4-5 that are the eyes of the Lord which we see in Revelation chapter 5 verse 6. So the New Testament Many believe, the the scholars believe, that John uses the expression in order to symbolize the plenitude and the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we examine this thing, we, we see that John uses these expressions in order to symbolize the plenitude of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we look at Revelation, we see that Jesus Christ is introduced with a double triplet. As we talked about triplets before, he's introduced with a double triplet. So as we look at Revelation chapter one, verse five, Jesus is, he is the number one, he's the faithful witness. He is, Jesus is number two, firstborn of the dead. And he is, Jesus is number three, Ruler of the kings of the earth. So, in light of this, uh, in light of the persecution that that, that we face in today, in light of what all we're going through through the COVID nineteen, through through the uh, injustice in the world, through the bigotry and hatred, and through 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 all the suffering and afflictions that we're going through in the world. You know, John is reminding me and you who Jesus really is when he, when he tells us that Jesus is this faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. So John has given us a perspective on, this, on who Jesus is, who he really is. He, he is the faithful martyr. When Jesus died on the cross, he is the faithful martyr. He's the risen Savior. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, when he raised himself from the dead, he is known and he is the risen Savior. And when he comes back at his second coming, Jesus is King of Kings. So we need not fear because Jesus has gone before me and you and triumphed over it. Jesus has triumphed over death he he's triumphed over hell and he he's triumphed over the grave so we have nothing to fear when we look at the book of revelation because we know the end from the beginning and we know that Jesus was victorious and in Christ me and you are victorious amen and amen you know next John emphasizes what the savior has done for me and you The first thing John emphasizes that Jesus has done for us is he loved us. You know, the word of God said he died for us yet when we were sinners. Jesus loved us before we got right, before we were saved. Jesus loved us at our worst, and he still loves us today. Amen and amen. Number two, Jesus released us. That's what Jesus has done for me and you. So when we look at the book of Revelation, this allows us to see that Jesus has released us from eternal death. Jesus has released us from sin, the grave, the lake of fire and hell. So when we look at this thing, we see that we serve an awesome and and a mighty God, a God that has redeemed me and you, a God that has redeemed us unto himself, And number three, what Jesus has done for me and you. He's made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. Amen and amen. So when we look at this thing, Jesus has redeemed us unto himself through the cross, through the blood he shed on the cross and through his resurrection. Now we are royal of a royal priesthood. Now we are priests and priestesses unto God and the father in heaven amen and amen so when we look at this these designations of the savior remind us that we have both a heavenly and an earthly destiny in jesus he is the king of the earth and we shall reign as kings with him on the earth so revelations chapter 5 and 10 this explains this to me and you so from the very beginning you know, this apocalypse has an earthly focus. So when we read this thing and start studying this thing from chapter 1 and and, and, and chapter 1 to uh, through uh, 4, in the beginning, this thing of the apocalypse has an earthly focus, a pre-millennium list. You know, pre, pre-millennium list. They have always understood this. They always understood this. But other, you know, other eschatological, other eschatological, eschatological viewpoints—excuse me—have missed this altogether. So, so the premillennialists have always understood this. See, we always understood that uh, that uh, Jesus is the King of Kings, and, and that He is the King of the Earth. But other eschatological viewpoints has miss this altogether. You know, me and you are promised that we're going to rule with him on earth. You know, this is just not a, a spiritual thing in the sweet by and by sense, but this is a literal thing. Th- this is going to be a literal kingdom. We literally going to reign with Jesus on earth through the millennial period for a thousand years. So the church as a whole, all believers, this raptured up, we shall reign with Christ on this earth. Amen and amen. You know, you, I, I truly uh, ask you to forgive me for mispronouncing those words earlier. You know, I got a little tongue-tied, so please forgive me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, now we're going to look at the titles of Christ. In the book of Revelations and we want to see 33 of these so I'm gonna look at these one at a time and and I'm gonna tell you what what what, uh, what chapter you can find it in and the verses so number one Jesus is known as the Christ in the book of Revelations and we'll find that in chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 5 number 2 he's the faithful witness We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Number three, Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Number four, Jesus is ruler of the kings of the earth. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Number five, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 21, verse 6, and chapter 22, verse 13. Number six, he is, and who was, and who is to come. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, verse 8, and Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Number seven, Jesus is the Almighty. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 and Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. Number 8, Jesus is the Son of Man. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 13 and verse 14. I mean chapter 14 verse 14. Number 9, the first and the last. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 and chapter 2 verse 8 and Chapter 22, verse 13. Number 10, the living one. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Number 11, the one who holds the seven stars. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Number 12, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Number 13. The one who has the sharp two-edged sword. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2 verse 12. Number 14. The son of God. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2 verse 18. Number 15. He who has eyes like flame of fire. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2 verse 18. Number 16. He whose feet are like burnished bronze. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Number 17. He who searches the minds and hearts. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. Number 18. He who has the seven spirits of God. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Number 19. He who, he who is holy and he who is true. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Number 20, he who has the key of David. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Number 21, the Amen. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Number 22, faithful and true witness. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Number 23, the beginning of the creation of God. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Number 24, the lion from the tribe of Judah. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. Number 25, Jesus is known as the root of David. We'll find that in chapter 5, verse 5, and chapter 22, verse 16. Number 26, Jesus is known as the Lamb. And we'll find that 28 times throughout the whole book of Revelations. Number 27, Jesus is known as Lord, holy and true. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 6, verse 10. Number 28, their Lord who was crucified... We'll find that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. Number 29, male child. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 5, I mean chapter 12, verse 5 and 13. Number 30, king of the nations. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. Number 31, lord of lords and king of kings. And we will find that in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, and chapter 19, verse 16. Number 32, the word of God Jesus is known as. And we'll find that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And number 33, the bright morning star. And we will find that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Amen and amen. You know, the King is coming. Jesus is coming back one day. You know, the theme, the theme, behold, He is coming. You know, in chapter 1, verses 7 through 8, John states the theme of the revelation in another triplet. He points to the imminent return of Jesus, the Christ, as the basic theme of the entire book. And when we look at this thing, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Then he adds the triplets using the triple chi. Number one, and every eye will see him. Number two, even those who pierced him. And number three, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Amen and amen. You know, the promise is one of future triumph. The Savior is ultimately coming to take over the earth. He will not return as the lowly servant, the humble shepherd, or the rejected prophet. This time, he will return as king of kings, and the whole wide world would know it. You know, our focus here is on the final aspect of Jesus' return in judgment on all the unbelieving world. Then and only then will the Apostle Paul's words be fulfilled. The Apostle Paul would say that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, Philippians 2, verses 10 through 12, we will see where the apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, lets us know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, everybody, every demon, every devil in hell, every man, every atheist, every non-believer, all the Scientologists, all those Islamic folks, all the Jehovah Witness, all the Atheists, every knee shall bow and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. All those that mocked Jesus, all those that didn't believe that he is the Son of God, all those that wouldn't accept him as lord and savior they will confess that jesus is lord even satan and his demon angels will confess that jesus is christ and his lord to the glory of god the father amen and amen and amen you know john the revelator states the theme of the book in verse 1 I mean chapter 1 verse 7 and and the Christ the Christ he is the source of the revelation you know the the apostle John he he repeats it in chapter 1 verse 8 I am the alpha and the omega this refers to the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet like the A and Z in the English alphabet. Thus, Christ is both the beginning and the ending. Now it's in Jesus, it's in him, that all things were created, as we see in the book of John, chapter one, verse three, and in him, only in Jesus, all things will be consummated. And we'll see that in Revelation chapter 21, verse six, You know, Jesus, the Savior, is then described as the Lord who, number one, is, and that's present tense. Number two, he he is described as was, and that means past tense. And number three, he's described, Jesus is described as, is to come, meaning future tense. So we see the triplets again. Now... John. uh, Jesus is the eternal son of God. Like the father, Jesus always was, Jesus is, and Jesus will always be. So so the emphasis, however, is is on the present tense, the present tense, and focuses on the eternal presence of God. Jesus is the ever-present one. So, So when we look at this thing, watch this, so so, so the emphasis in the book of Revelation, this thing is on the present, present tense, the right now. And then it focuses on the eternal presence of God. So when we look at this thing, Jesus is the ever-present one. Jesus says, I am who I am in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. So since all things are present to the mind of God, God sees the end from the beginning as though it it were already happening. So when God sees the future, it's already happening to him. So thus, you know, God could always disclose the future to John in the vision of the Apocalypse. So when we look at this thing, God is looking at this thing in present tense. But he's, he's telling John about it as, is, as if it's already happening, but it's in the future tense, amen and amen. So now we wanna look at the final victory. We wanna look at the final victory of the book of Revelation. So the final victory speaks of triumph, me and your triumph over death, hell, the grave, evil, Satan, and all that we went through, all the suffering, the afflictions, all that we went through in a lifetime. So now uh, the book of Revelation is going to speak of the triumph me and you have, the victory that we have. So in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 9 through 20, it says, Behold, I am alive forevermore. So, so when John gets this revelation from Jesus, John explains that he had been exiled to the island of Patmos, because of the word of God and and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when we look at chapter 1, verse 9, we see this. So Patmos was the Alcatraz of the ancient world. It was an isolated place from which there was no escape. There on the rocky uh, uh, mountains and and hills, this thing was 10 miles long and 6 miles wide, so the age the apostle met the risen savior see when jesus appeared to him face to face face to face john explains that that he was in the spirit on the lord's day he was in the spirit on a sunday morning so when jesus the savior appeared to john the phrase in the spirit is an explanation of an out of body trance so this is called an ecstasy and we will see this in acts chapter 10 verse 10 and acts chapter 11 verse 5 and acts chapter 22 verse 17 so as we see this thing watch this now, now pay attention to this see see John never slept during this experience thus it was a vision this thing was a vision this was not a dream so 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 when John he had this vision, John heard the master's voice, and and when John turned to see who it was, as he turned, John saw seven golden lampstands. Now, these lampstands were probably in the shape of a Jewish menorah, so we'll see that in, in, in chapter 1, verse 12. So, these was representatives of the seven churches, these lampstands. They they represented the seven churches to which the the book is addressed to. So when we look at chapter 1, verse 20, and in the middle of the lampstands, in the middle, walking in the middle of these lampstands, John said he saw the Son of Man. He saw Jesus dressed in the high priestly garments that were floor-length, a white robe with the golden sash. So as we see the priest back in Exodus 39, Jesus was dressed in priestly garments when John seen this vision. So the rest of the description of the risen Savior is really symbolic of his Shenina glory, Shekinah glory and his deity and follows a sevenfold pattern. So first we're going to look at this, uh, this pattern, the, the, the sevenfold pattern that speaks of our Savior and our Lord's Shinnina glory. Number one, it it tells us, and, and it speaks of his hair. It says that Jesus' hair was white like wool. Number two, Revelation speaks of his eyes. They were flame of fire. Number three, it speaks of his feet. They were burnished bronze. Number four, revelation speaks of his voice, sound of many waters. Number five, it speaks of his right hand, held seven stars. Number six, revelation speaks of his mouth, sharp to its sword. And number seven, revelation speaks of his face, shining like the sun. You know, this is no ordinary look, at the man we know from the gospel as Jesus Christ. You know, to say that his appearance is unique, as John the Revelator got it, it also is an understatement. You know, what we see in the book of Revelation, this thing is supernatural. This thing is a glorious description that is given that could be given to God alone. You know, the grandeur of this description points to the majesty, the purity, and the authority of the one described. This is the risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. This is the glorified Christ. This is the coming King. Amen and amen. You know, the Savior's description also, this thing introduces one of the most powerful symbols in the apocalypse, the, the sword of his mouth. You know, Jesus is the one who spoke the world into existence. So Jesus is also the one who spoke and calmed the storms, the still waters, and spoke peace to men's hearts. You know, no wonder John loved to call him the word of God. Amen and amen. You know, we'll find where John calls Jesus the word of God in the book of John, chapter one, verse one, and also in the book of first John, chapter one, verse one, and the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 13. You know, the word sword of his mouth symbolizes the power of his spoken word. You know, this word, the the word of God, which cuts both ways, this word of God, it it creates this thing that make you feel good on one end, and it destroys this thing and make you feel bad on the other end. But ultimately, it is his word that will defeat the forces of the Antichrist. This word the word the bible the word that me and you that we study the the bible the book the good news the gospel this thing will ultimately defeat the forces of the antichrist the forces of evil the demons and all that comes with it and slay all his army and we're going to find that in revelation chapter 19 verse 15 and 21. you know john the beloved disciple john collapses at the Savior's feet, in chapter one, verse seventeen, you know John, he, he can't stand in the presence of Jesus' glory in his own strength before His divine King. So we we got to remember that this is one of Jesus' dearest and closest disciples. You know, if John cannot stand before Him, how dare men you think that we can you know I've heard so many people tell me you know when they get to see Jesus what they're gonna say and what they're gonna do I'm here to tell you you're gonna be so weak in the glory and his just standing in his glory you're not gonna be able to say a word or stand or do anything amen and amen you know throughout the revelation it's clear that the approaching God you know when we want to approach God This thing ain't no trivial matter. This thing just ain't no easy thing. This ain't trivial. You know, we can come into God's presence only by the permission of the blood of Christ. That's it. Only by uh, being covered by the blood of Christ. And we'll see that found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. You know, John laid prostrate on the ground before the king of kings. You know, me and you both, we all gonna lay prostrate On the ground before Jesus, the King of Kings, the high priest of heaven. But then came that familiar tender touch. You know when John got so weak and and he couldn't stand and John didn't have the string of it, then Jesus came with that familiar tender touch that that he always has for man. You know Jesus laid his right hand upon me, John said in chapter 1 verse 17. You know, Jesus' nail-scarred hand, the Savior's nail-scarred hands touched his beloved servant. You know, this this had been more than 60 years. When, When I look at this thing, it had been more than 60 years since John had watched Jesus in the upper room. And when Jesus said to Doubting Thomas, reach here, your finger. And see my hands, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Then Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. You know, we're gonna find that in the book of John, chapter twenty, verse twenty-seven through twenty-eight. Amen and amen. You know, me and you got to realize that the same nail print will be there for. All eternity those same nail print hands r- reminding us of the Savior's love for me and you you know it was this loving voice it was this loving voice that said to the Apostle John and to me and you be not afraid be not afraid You know, John had heard those words before. The night before he calmed the storms, Jesus would say, take courage. Jesus said, the night, take courage. He said, the night it is. I do not be afraid. We're going to find that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24 through 27, and the book of John chapter 6, verse 20. You know, Jesus said that night, truly, it is I. Jesus is saying to me and you right today, he's saying it this day, this night, it is I, fear not, do not be afraid, oh hallelujah, ain't it good to know we have nothing to fear, amen and amen. You know, when John looked up, watch this, when John looked up, I want you to watch this, John saw the Savior looking down. John said, and I was dead, and behold, Jesus. See, when he saw, when John looked up and he saw the Savior looking down, excuse me, John heard Jesus saying, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. You know, Jesus announced that he had added the most important statement of all, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. You know, Jesus added the most important statement when he was speaking to John, letting me and you and John and the church know that I have the keys of death and of Hades. In Revelation chapter one, verse 18, You know, Jesus had already triumphed over the forces of Satan in his crucifixion and resurrection. So when we see Jesus speak this in Revelation chapter one, verse 18, Jesus had already descended into hell. Jesus announced Satan's doom. So stolen the keys and risen victorious. Amen and amen. So now the Lord has come for his beleaguered servant. You know, Jesus, beloved disciple and his dear friend, Jesus was going to unlock the mysteries of the future and unveil the sequences of events that would lead to Armageddon and the end times. So so when Jesus came speaking this thing, he was truly given uh, uh, John the mysteries, to the, the keys to unlock the mysteries Jesus has given me and you also as he's given John, all those that study the book of Revelation and read this thing, the, the keys to unlocking the mysteries of the future and to unveil the sequence of events that, that would lead to Armageddon. So, so when we study this thing and look at what's going on today in the world, Jesus has given us a key to this thing and where this world is going from today, from uh, on today and, and, and into the future. And at the end times, what's going to happen at the end time? You know, John, uh, Jesus commanded John to write. Jesus said, write those things which, number one, you have seen. Speaking of the past, Jesus said, write these things which are, number two, the present. And number three, Jesus said, write those things which shall take place after these things, speaking of the future. So when we look at this thing, many have used that simple threefold threefold designation to outline the entire book. So uh, past is chapter one, present is chapter two and three, and future is chapters four through 22. So the chapter closes by... you. Uh, the chapter closes. Chapter one, it closes by uniting each of these elements. So when we look at this thing, when we get to the end of chapter one, this thing is going to close itself out by uniting all the elements. So that's why it's so important to understand chapter one, because unless you get an understanding of chapter one, you'll never be able to understand the rest of the book of Revelation. You know, Jesus, the Savior who died and, and he rose again in the past. So when we look at this thing, when we, when we see that Jesus, he, he died in the past, is still alive and moving into his and moving his church into the present and will come again in the future. So, so when we look at this thing, you, uh, the Savior who died, Jesus who died for me and you and rose again in the past, he's still alive. And he's moving us, his church, into the present and will come again in the future. So uh, the book of Revelation is letting us know that Jesus' second coming is imminent. It's soon. You know, Jesus has already triumphed. And so shall we. Oh, hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen. So as we close out chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, I want you to go back and, and and write down everything, get you pencil and paper and write everything down that you've learned. So when you read the book of Revelation, this and when you read chapter one, this thing will come alive for you and you'll get to see this thing through your spiritual eye and you'll get an understanding of what God's trying to say to you. And next time, we're going to have Bible study. We, we, we're going to have uh, a part uh, a series, uh, part two. And part two, we're going to do the Bible study on chapters two and three in the book of Revelation. So make sure you please join me so you can truly get a true understanding and, and a right understanding of the book of Revelation. So you will have wisdom and knowledge to lead and guide you. You know the book of Revelation, John would say, Blessed are all those that read this book and hears the words of this book and heeds the words of this book. That means be a doer of this word. Take heed. Yes, and keep watch. Pray. Yes, study your word. Study your Bible. Yes, talk to God. Walk faithfully with God. Yes, in truth and in spirit obeying God's word. Amen and amen. Until next time, keep the faith and join me for part two. Yes, Bible study two on the book of Revelations chapters two and three. Until next time, may God always bless you. Keep the faith and God bless. Amen.